Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Kyle Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. I want to welcome everyone today as we gather together to worship the name that's above every single name in this place. How many know when two or three are gathered, their God is in the midst? And I'm just believing that God is going to speak something supernatural to us. He's going to impart something to each and every one of us today as we simply just gather together in his house and we open up our hearts and say, God, whatever you want to do, I'm willing to receive. I'm open. I'm ready. And also want to take a moment to look into the camera and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correction center. Also, all those joining us online. And also want to give a special shout out to the country of Belize, all those joining us in the Belize Central Prison. Man, we are grateful to have you a part of our church. Come on, D-Town. Help me welcome our church family today. Come on, let them know. Let them know. Well, today we are continuing on in our series called Running with the Giants, where each week we are studying a different character in the Bible. And we're just saying, man, what can we learn from their story? And now I just want to go ahead right out of the gate and give us the title of the message. In fact, help me preach today. Look at the person next to you and just say this to them and say, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And today we're going to study the story of a woman. Hey, we had sisterhood on Friday night. Come on, somebody. I want you to know that Pastor Justina admitted to me that the guys actually won the dance-off, but they couldn't give it to them, so we gave it to the ladies anyways. I just want you to know that she, I tried to tape it, but she wouldn't let me put it on social media, but but in honor of the women, we're going to study a woman of the Bible known as Rahab, and, and, and when the, the Bible first introduces us to her story, she was a prostitute, but by the end of her life, she was one, known as one of the greatest people of faith the world has ever known, and God used her in a powerful way because it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And her story is found in the book of Joshua, but before we dive into it, kind of let me just give us a little context as to what's happening in Scripture. By this point, God has already delivered his people, the Israelites, from over 400 years of slavery and abuse and captivity in the land of Egypt. God has parted the Red Sea. The Israelites walked over on dry ground. Then as the Egyptians, their enemy, tried to pursue them to take them back into slavery, God allows the, caused the Red Sea to engulf the Israelites' enemy, and there they are killed right in front of them. And then for the next 40 years, the Israelites would be wandering around the desert in pursuit of a, of a place called Canaan, known as the Promised Land. 
This, the Canaan was this, this land that God had promised to his people. This, this was going to be a, a place that they could finally settle down and, and build a life of their own. It, it was a place of, of freedom. It, it was a place of, of peace and, and prosperity. And so, so the Joshua and the Israelites are on their way to Canaan, the promised land, and they get up to the Jordan River only to discover that on the other side of the river, which is Canaan, there's 31 kings and their armies living in the land. And so they would have to fight and defeat all of those kings, all of those people, all of those armies in order to take possession of what God had promised to them which is a good reminder for us that the enemy of our soul is not just gonna lay down and let us have everything that God has promised to us, that how many know we're gonna have to rise up and fight for it and take what God has for us. And so they're on the edge of the, the Jordan River and Joshua, who is leading God's people at this time, Moses has, has passed away. So Joshua comes up with this plan to send a couple spies into Canaan to kind of see what kind of fight are we in for? And that's when Rahab and her story comes onto the scene. And so we'll pick it up in Joshua chapter two. Now we're going to read her story in its entirety. So we got some scripture to read together today, but her, her, her name is mentioned six different times in the Bible, but her story is found in Joshua chapter two. So let's pick things up in verse one it says this it says, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from now, I'm not exactly sure how to say that, but I do know how I'm not going to say it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. Now, it's important for us to understand the reason why he says especially Jericho is because Jericho, this, this city, had this reputation uh, of being a fortress. It had this reputation of being invincible. Scholars believe that the, the walls would have been 20 feet high and 10 feet thick. And so it had this reputation like, man, there's this, there, it's going to be hard to, to, to take that city. And so Joshua knew that going into things. Just, hey, hey, when you're over there, make sure you, you shoot by Jericho and just see, is it really everything that we heard it was going to be and so they went and they entered a house of a prostitute named Rahab and they stayed there now it's important for us to understand that that scholars would agree that that one of the main reasons the spies entered the house of a prostitute was because it, it wouldn't have been as suspicious to have strangers or foreigners going into a place like this now unfortunately their their plan to kind of fly under the radar didn't necessarily work because in verse two, it says the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. And so the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman Rahab had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they already left. And I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. 
And so the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan River. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Now, before the spies went to bed at night, we fell asleep. Rahab went up on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and and that a great fear of you has fallen on all of us. So that all who live in this country of Canaan are melting in fear because of you. Verse 10 says, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did at at Sihon and, and Og and the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Verse 11 says, when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is the God in heaven above and on the earth below. Notice this confession of this woman who doesn't even go to church. Notice the confession that she makes about the creator of the universe. I know the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Verse 12 says, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. And all of a sudden, this unlikely hero raises up and saves her family. And the men responded, our lives for your lives. If you don't tell anyone what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. And so she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was a part of the city wall. And she said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. Then as the, the story kind of goes on, Joshua and the Israelites, they end up crossing over the Jordan River and they attack and they, they conquer the city of Jericho. And the, the Bible tells us in Joshua chapter six, verse 25, that, that Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men, Joshua, and sent, uh, Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And then take out the, the last part of that verse. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. I mean, this, this was a big deal, not, not only for God's people and the Israelites, because this is a huge first step in them taking possession of the promised land. They just conquered Jericho, this fortress, this, this city that was supposed to be invincible, right? And God used Rahab to give a report back to Joshua that that people are scared. They are in fear, man. Come on, attack this. This place is yours. Not only is this a big deal for God's people, but how many of us know this is a big deal for Rahab and her entire family too, as she lives amongst the Israelites to this day. Here we see Rahab was given a fresh start, a new beginning, a new hope. She was part of a new family. She had new friends. Her life was now headed in a new direction because it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Now, now if you're anything like me, after reading this, this story of Rahab, I understand what happened. 
I understand the story, I understand what happened, but I can't help but ask the question, how? Like, how did, how did it happen? How did Rahab go from a, a place that she didn't want to be to all of a sudden finding herself in a place she never even imagined could happen in, in her life? Like, how did that happen? Well, the Bible tells us, but, but I was thinking to myself that the Bible also says the, that God is no respecter of persons. And in, in other words, what that means is if he did it for one, he'll do it for another. And so, so how, how did Rahab experience this incredible gift in this life that God had for her? Well, the Bible actually tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, which is another time Rahab's name is mentioned in the Bible. It says this, it was, and then let's, let's, say, let's say these two words together. It was by faith. Come on, say it with me. By faith. How did, how did it happen? How did it happen in Rahab's life? It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now I want us, I want us to understand this scripture because it still labels her as Rahab the prostitute, right? And we might think to ourselves, man, that negative label, it just still, it just won't go away. It just is always attached to her name. But I think it's important for us to understand that when it's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, it has a different meaning than it did in Joshua chapter two. In other words, that, that Rahab the prostitute speaks of how God can deliver, God can heal. In fact, that's a part of her testimony. This is who I used to be. Like some people might ask me, were you a drug addict? Were you incarcerated? Yes, I was. Those labels are still a part of my name, but they mean a whole lot different today than they did 12 years ago, 20 years ago, right? When I was addicted and held up in that sin that was ruining my life. It has a different meaning. Today I can speak of that and I speak about the goodness of my God. I speak about how God can deliver me. Yes, it's a testimony of his goodness. And we see that in Rahab's life as well in Hebrews chapter 11. And by faith, by faith, Rahab was able to go from where she was in life to a place she never imagined she could be. By faith, her end was different from her beginning. Now, now, we don't know what happened in Rahab's life that, that, that caused her to become a prostitute. We don't get the backstory. We don't know her upbringing. We don't know her childhood. We don't know what trauma. We, we don't know what circumstances took place in her life that led her to become a prostitute. But what we do know is that she found herself in a place that she didn't want to be in life. And God shows up and gives her a chance to have a new life to have a fresh start. How many of us know it's never too late with God? Yeah. And as we study the story of Rahab, we, we are reminded that it's not how we start, it's how we finish. But if we wanna change the direction of where some areas of our lives are headed, how many of us know it's gonna take faith? Everybody say faith. faith. So, what, so, so before we kind of dive into it, a, a question I'd like to ask is, what is faith? Well, we, we referenced and, and read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. But in fact, Hebrews chapter 11, that entire chapter is all about faith. In fact, the, a little title in my Bible said, Faith in Action. 
In verse one and verse two, the Bible kind of kind of defines what faith is, that it's the, the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance of what we cannot see. And then in verse two, it says that by faith, we understand that God spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. By faith, we understand that God spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. And then verse three of Hebrews chapter 11 says, by faith, Enoch, and then by faith, Abraham, and then by faith, Sarah, and then by faith, Moses. And in verse 31 says, and by faith, Rahab the prostitute, right? Gives us all these examples of faith. And so according to Hebrews chapter 11, let me just give us a kind of a, a, a simple way of defining it. Um, and it's, it's this, not in your notes, because I added it this morning at 5.30 a.m. And it says this, faith and this is my own definition, is believing in who God is and what he says above everything else. That is faith. Faith is believing in who God is, what God says above everything else. And so as we look back over the life of Rahab, I just wanna give us real briefly today, let me give us three ways our faith is either built or blocked. Because if we're gonna finish well, how many of us gonna take faith? If we want our end to be different from our beginning, how many of us gonna take faith? If we want our end to be different than our middle, come on, we gotta have faith. And so the first way, if you're taking notes, our faith is either built or blocked is number one, by what we believe. By what we believe. Here's the question, what do we believe about ourselves? You see, Rahab was a prostitute. The label attached to her name was true. And I can only imagine the struggle of what she would have believed about herself. Maybe she thought that she, she would never have a chance at a normal life. Maybe Rahab believed that there's no way anybody could ever truly love her for who she really was. Maybe, maybe Rahab had given up on the idea of ever being married someday or, or becoming a, a mother. Maybe Rahab believed that there was no way that the creator of the universe could ever love and accept her because of the way that she had lived her life. And maybe some of us have felt the exact same way in our lives. What do we believe about ourselves? Now, I'm not talking about the version of ourselves that we put on social media. I'm not talking about the version of ourselves that we portray to everybody else. I'm, I'm talking about when nobody else is around, what do we believe about ourselves? I mean, can you imagine the shame and the guilt that Rahab would have carried with her, maybe, maybe even for years? How, how many of us know that guilt is attached to what we do, but shame tries to tell us who we are? No, that's, that's who you are. And, and so often, I, the reality is, I think every one of us have dealt with shame at one time or another. Can we just get a little real today? We've all dealt with shame and maybe you're like me. I've tried to, I've tried to push it down. I've tried to suppress it. I've tried to run from it. This is, this is, this is my, my main way to address it before Jesus. I, I would try to prove to myself and to everybody else that I was good enough by my accomplishments, by my success, but it, it never failed no matter what I did I could fall into the trap of believing that I'm just never quite going to be good enough. 
Can I just say this to us today that we have listened to lies for far too long. Now we've probably all told a lie. We probably all participated in a lie. We probably all said the old childhood saying, liar, liar, pants on. Yeah, you said it, I knew it. It's experienced church, I knew it. But it's not too often that we, we talk about how we've believed a lie how we've been duped by a lie, how we've been deceived by a lie. It's not too often that we've talked about some, some lies that we believe. I think a, a lot of us can think that, that some of the lies that the enemy of our soul tries to, to tell us, some of the lies that we can believe about ourselves are gonna be blatant and huge and easy for us to see. But the truth is, a lot of us can fall in the trap of believing little lies that have a huge, big impact on us. Lies like we'll never be able to change. Lies like, like we're never going to be good enough. Lies like there, there, there's never going to be any hope. So what's the point? Th these little lies that compound over time and the more we entertain them, the more they lead us down the wrong path. And how many of us know there's a liar known as the enemy of our soul? In fact, Jesus refers to him in John chapter eight as the father of lies the accuser of the brethren. But, but at the same time, how many know there's one who speaks truth? There's one who only speaks truth and he's known as the way, the truth, and the life. How many know Jesus is the only one who will tell us the truth about who we are, the truth about where we are going, the truth about our past, the truth about our identity? Wait, by the way, I just want you to know here at Experience Church, we believe in absolute truth. The truth that we are looking for is not found on social media. Come on, somebody. The truth that we are looking for will not be found in society. The truth that we are looking for won't be found in somebody else's opinions or feelings. No, the truth that we are looking for is found in the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> little throwback there. And as we go to the truth, as we go to God's word, right, that, that molds and shapes how we think and how we see ourselves, the, the word of God becomes a mirror for a reflection to, to show me where I'm off and to show me where I need to work on and reminds me of what God says about me. And the Bible tells us to, to not think too highly of ourselves, but the Bible also tells us to not think too little of ourselves either. That we have to have a little bit of a self-awareness that comes from a, a God-awareness. That, that the way that we can measure our lives right is by measuring our God right. That if we don't see God correctly, how many of us know we're never gonna see ourselves correctly? But if I can see God as good, I'll see myself as good. If I see God as the one who blesses, then I'll see myself as being blessed. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verse three. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, it's gr grace this unmerited, unwarranted favor of God that has, has penetrated my life and my heart, this grace. Paul right out of the gate saying, I actually had nothing to do with this, but this is a gift. This is this grace that God has given to me. And I speak from this place of grace. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. In other words, when life is going good, don't take all the credit for it. 
Because the problem with taking all the credit when life is going good is that when life starts to have problems and issues, you got to take all the credit for that too. And all of a sudden, it's this roller coaster of up and down emotions, and we're just not that much in control of our lives, right? Don't think too highly of yourself. Or I'll just insert a little thought from me. Also, don't, don't have this, this big ego and this low self-esteem that so many of us can struggle with. Just speaking from personal experience. For so many years, I struggled with having this big ego which actually was just a smokescreen and a cover-up for this low self-esteem that I was battling in my life. But rather, Paul goes on to say, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the what? In accordance with the faith. God has distributed to each and every one of you. This, this is the beauty. This is the lesson that, that Rahab is teaching every single one of us today because how many of us know if anybody had an excuse to think too little of herself, it would have been Rahab. I'm never gonna be good enough, but how many took faith for her to say, you know what? I'm not gonna base how I see myself on what I've done or where I've been. No, no, faith is believing in who God is and what he says above everything else, above my past, above my problems, above my mistakes, above my issues, above all those things, God, you're my filter. The Bible says, don't be cocky and think that we're all that, but but don't get too down in the gutter and think that we'll never amount to anything either. Have an appropriate outlook about yourself that's built on our faith in God. I was just thinking, man, too often we we base our belief about ourselves by comparing ourselves with each other. Don't we do that? The Bible actually tells us that when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, we are foolish. And we do this, don't we? We, we? we do this in school. We do this in sports. We do this in our careers. They're better at me. They're better than, this guy's better than them. This one's more intelligent than the other. This one's more successful than the other. This, this one has more than, than the other. And we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. And the Bible says, when you do that, you're missing the whole point. It's not on your performance. It's not on your success. It's not on your accomplishments. That doesn't dictate or define who you are. And what I love about studying scripture and these different characters in the Bible is that how many of us know we discover that none of them were perfect? Like none of these people God used in an incredible way. None of these people that had a huge impact. I mean, Rahab saved her entire family's life. And how many of she was far from perfect? Like everybody in the Bible has issues just like all of us. How many of us know that we all got issues? In fact, just to remind us today, if you got an issue today, go ahead and raise your hand. My everybody's hand should be up because we all got issues, don't we? And if you don't think you got issues, man, whew, you got way more issues than you realize because we all got issues. But, but I, just was, I just was thinking, let me just, let me just read some of the issues of the heroes in the Bible. Some of the people that we look up to. Noah, how I many? Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. He thought he'd miss his opportunity. If only I would have gotten saved back. If only I would have gotten saved younger. If only. How many of God still used him? Isaac was passive. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered when he talked. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair, don't care, and was a womanizer. Timothy was too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. May that never happen here at Experience Church. I'm just saying, in Jesus' name. 
One and done there. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. And Rahab was a prostitute. And if God did great things through them, man, God can do great things through us. I might have some issues today. But how many of us know God still uses broken, messed up people to change the world? And in him, I'm enough. I'm enough. You know, I think sometimes we think that we have to wait for all of our issues to, to go away before we feel qualified. Spoiler alert, we're all unqualified. In fact, truth be, truth be told, we are all disqualified. But by the grace of God, we are who we are. By the grace of God, we're not defined by what we've done. We're, we're defined by what Jesus already did. And Rahab came to this point that what she believed about herself wasn't based on what she had done, but who God is and what he says about above everything else, faith. I mean, our faith either, either, either builds or blocked by what we believe about ourselves. Come on, what do you believe about yourself today? It's either building your faith or it's blocking it. It's either building your faith or it's blocking it. It's either building what God wants to do in your life or it's blocking it. This, the second way, as we study the story of Rahab, that our faith can either be built or blocked is number two, is by who we listen to. Who do we listen to? Now, I put the scriptures down, but I'm just going to reference them. Remember the story of, of Rahab. She hid the two spies, right, in her house. And, and, and then the king said, hey, I heard about them. Go ahead and bring them out to me. Go ahead, give, give the hand them over. How I many know Rahab's hearing one voice of the king? But then in verse 11, remember, she said, I heard about the God who's part of the Red Sea. I heard about the God who saves. I heard about the God who delivers. And I think what we can learn from her story is that our faith isn't built by the voices we hear, but by what voices we listen to. I'm not talking about just, the, I mean, there's a lot of voices in the world. We're hearing, I can't control what voices I hear, but I can control what voice I listen to. What voice do we follow? What voice are we influenced by? Because I don't know about you, but I, I hear lies from time to time. Lies like, I, I hear the enemy in my soul trying to whisper in my ear that I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I'm never going to be able to accomplish that. I'm never going to be tall. Okay, well, that might be the voice of truth. And I, I got I to acknowledge truth when it's truth. So that might be the voice of truth, but that's not the point. <laughs> the question is, you know, we might believe in God, but who do we listen to? I believe God's real. I believe in the cross. I believe in the empty tomb. Yeah, but who are you listening to? Because depending on who you're listening to, it's either going to build or block your faith. Your faith's either growing or... It's become stagnant based on who you're listening to. In other words, man, do we, do, we give, do we give God time to speak to us? Or do we have, are, we, are, we, are we creating a space to hear God's voice? Are we digging into his word? How, how many know we're never going to hear his voice if we don't take time to listen? Even now, I might be, how many of there's even a difference between hearing and listening? Parents, come on, help me out right here. You hear me, boy? No, no. Are you listening to me? I know as you hear me, you might be going in one ear and out the other. 
Is God the number one influence in our lives? Because the reality is we are the sum total of our influences. And if we're really honest, second service, those people coming later are very impressionable. (laughs) So just want to let you know what I'm going to be telling them. No, we all are, aren't we? We're all very impressionable. We can have a conversation with someone and they can start saying this, that, and the other, and it can sway us a certain way. We can hear an opinion about somebody else and it can sway how we view that person. We can have somebody say something good or bad about us and it can have a huge impact on what we think about ourselves. We are all very impressionable and we have to determine not what we hear, not what voices do we hear, but what voices do we listen to? What voices are we following? Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they do what? They don't just hear it, they listen to it. They follow me. We need to make sure that we're not just hearing God's voice, but we're listening and following it too. You know, I had a friend of mine tell me a story this past school year, his, his son's in kindergarten and he got a call from the school and he answered it and, and they say, hey, everything's fine with your son. He's not hurt. Um, how many know that's good, but also not good at the same time, right? And they, they said, we just wanted to let you know that he put his head in a toilet today at school. And he, he said, what do you mean put his head in a toilet? Well, well, one of his friends or another kid dared him to put his head in the toilet, so he did. And he goes, wait a minute, nobody put his head in the toilet, nobody forced, nobody, nobody did that. He just did it all by himself. He just put his head, how many know he's listening to the wrong voices? I mean, that's the voice of the enemy. Don't, don't do that. Come on. We got to make, I'm not sure I'm not just hearing the right voices about that. We're following the right voices too, right? Our faith is either built or it's blocked by who we listen to. And then finally today, the third way our faith is either built or blocked is number three, by how we respond to the opportunities God gives to us. Come on. You know, those God given opportunities that God places before you. Some of us says, you know what? By faith, I took a step. God was calling me to this. We hear it all the time. God was calling me to be a, a giver and start, start tithing. And so I did. And it, what did it do? It built my faith. God was calling me to step out and, and make a greater difference. I start serving and start, start using my testimony, start witnessing. God was calling me to step out of my comfort zone and, and gave me an opportunity to do something. And, and how, how we responded to those opportunities God's given to us, it either built or it blocked our faith. We all have those stories. We all have those moments when, man, I remember stepping out and moving my family all the way from South Dakota to this small podunk, Defiance, Ohio. Choking. Not knowing where I'm going to this land and just stepping out. How many know God built my faith? Look what God can do by just responding by faith to the opportunity that he has placed before us. And what I love about Rahab's story is that she wasn't looking for God, but God came looking for her. Can anyone else relate to that today besides me? I'm so glad that even when I wanted nothing to do with God, he still wanted everything to do with me. I wasn't even searching for God, but he was still searching for me. 
and Rahab, the, the prostitute that, that so many people would have said that, that she's unworthy and she's undeserving of forgiveness. She doesn't deserve a second chance. She doesn't deserve a fresh start. How many of us know that God goes out of his way to rescue those others go out of their way to avoid? And I'm so glad that he does. And God gives her this opportunity to go from where she was in life to a place she never even dreamed she could be. And as she just responds to this opportunity, God placed her in this, in this new people, gave her a fresh start, a new beginning. God gave her a new purpose. And with her new purpose, God gave her a new future. And God did what no one else would have thought possible. You know, even as I say that, am I talking about you and your story? Am I talking about me and my story? That, that's, that's the kind of story God writes in our lives when we respond to his opportunities by faith. You know, I'm talking about Rahab's story. It just sounds so familiar, doesn't it? When we respond to those opportunities that God gives us by faith. And so God deliver, delivers her and she li is living amongst God's people. And then she met a God-fearing man named Salmon. And she had a godly marriage when no one else thought it would have been possible. And take a look at what happened as a result. Matthew chapter one, verse five, as we close today, and verse 16. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was... Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was... Rahab. Jacob. See, Matthew begins with this genealogy. So I spared you having to read all those names from verse 7 through 15. And verse 16 says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Here's what God did through Rahab, the prostitute, who married a God-fearing man. She had a son. This woman, maybe at one point in time, thought she'd never be a mom. She had a son, then a grandson, then a great-grandson, and five times over, or five great-grandsons later, his name happened to be Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born to take away the sins of the world. And out of Rahab, the prostitute, came Jesus, the Savior of the world. How many know it's not how we start? It's how we finish but it's gonna take faith. Faith is simply believing in who God is and what God says over everything else. I just feel like some of us today need to stop arguing with God. He's right. Come on, how many know he's right? I keep trying to tell God who I really am, who I am. He's trying to tell me who I really am, amen? No, but I'm, you don't understand what I did. No, I understand exactly what you did. You don't understand what I did, son. Amen. Our faith can either be built or blocked by what we believe about ourselves, who we listen to, and, and how we respond to the opportunities God gives to us. Amen. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for this story, this story of faith, the story that as Rahab just believed you as she had faith in you, God, you gave her a fresh start. You gave her a new beginning. God, she went from a place 
that she never thought she could get out of to a place she never thought she would ever be. God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for a love that never fails. Thank you for a grace that's sufficient, a mercy that's new every morning. Thank you for this abundant life that only you can give to us. As we're praying together today with every head bowed and every eye closed, can we just, can we just pray this right where we're at? Say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to the message today? This is a good prayer for us to pray because we don't wanna just be hearers of God's word. We wanna be doers. God, what's my next step? What opportunities have we allowed our doubt to cause us to to not take advantage of that God's putting before us? What voices have we been listening to instead of the one voice that really matters? What lies have we come to believe about ourselves based on what we've done or where we've been? But God is saying, let your faith rise up today. Let your faith rise up today. Come on, our faith is in who God is and what he says over everything else. I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe, maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you believe in God. Maybe you, maybe you had a relationship with God at one point in time, but you've drifted. I want to give you an opportunity to, to know God. Because everything, everything we do is based off of not religion, a relationship with the creator of the universe. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if, if you need to say, I, I don't know God, but I want to know him. Would you just lift your hand to heaven and say, here I am, God. I want to have a relationship with you, God. I want to take advantage of this opportunity that, that I know that you've placed before me. Wherever you're at, maybe you're watching online, maybe, maybe you're in a jail cell right now. God's given you an opportunity to know him and to go from where you are to a place you never even imagined. And it happens by faith. And as your hands are raised, would you just lift the, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, say, God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to take my place, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Thank you that he rose from the grave three days later to prove that he was who he said that he was and that he had power over death, hell, and the grave. And because of that, I can be forgiven and I can be free. Today, God, here's my life. Better yet, here's my heart. God, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all I did today. So good.
they shall run and I faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that wait. For joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.